0: Welcome to the More Exemplary podcast, a study in joyful living. I'm your host, Nick Bogner, a marriage and family therapist practicing in Pasadena, California. In this podcast, I'm talking to some of my favorite professionals, both inside and outside the world of therapy to learn how they cultivate happiness by accessing their own joy and enriching the lives of others. Thanks for coming along for the ride. I'm so glad you're with us. Welcome back to the More Exemplary podcast. I've got a really exciting guest for you this week. This is a person that I've known for some years now, and I feel really lucky in addition to just the fact that she's a great person. But I've known Juna Osborne for several years now, and I have gotten to see her practice and her approach metamorphose from the therapist she was years ago who was great to the therapist she is now who is both great and realized in the field. Juna had a a sort of unconventional path, which we'll talk about in the episode. You'll get to hear all about it. Um, but Juna is a person who has really had to search, and I mean that in the best way, really had to search for the kind of work that works for her and for the kind of approach that really resonates with her and her values and her strengths. And I'm I'm happy to say that like that she's found it. She's doing great out there. So um, I'm not going to spoil any more of it. I hope you enjoy this interview, and I hope that you enjoy listening to Juna as much as I enjoy talking to her. Folks, welcome back to the More Exemplary Podcast. I'm so glad to be here with you today, and even gladder am I still to have somebody back that I always get a kick out of talking to. It's Juna Osborne, LCSW, in private practice in Roanoke, Virginia, and Juna and I used to meet regularly and in the intervening two years since we used to meet regularly, Juna has taken on an entire new approach to her practice. She now specializes in ISTDP. We're going to get a little bit of a definition from her and a little bit of what that stands for. But in the meantime, I'm just going to say, Juna, I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you. And it is so nice to see you after a little lapse in time. It's awesome.
0: I know. I know. I was so excited. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to start up a new season of War Exemplary. I'm going to get all the people that I didn't get in the last season. Because you remember you and I talked about it like right after I stopped recording. Um, so I couldn't be happier to have you back. But let's let's cut the shit. Okay. ISTDP, as often happens in therapy, it is an acronym that is a mouthful. What does it stand for?
1: Yes, it is Intensive Short-Term Dynamic Psychotherapy. Outstanding. A- yes.
0: Intensive Short-Term Dynamic Psychotherapy. So it is a 13-syllable thing that's been reduced to just five simple consonants or yes. four in one vowel. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> nice. Yes, exactly. And it it was a, a psychotherapy that was started around the 1960s by mm-hmm. Habib Gavin Liu. He was classically trained in psychoanalysis. And incidentally, it's interesting because he and Aaron Beck, who started CBT, Kind of broke off from psychoanalysis at the same time to create these modalities that they felt would really enhance psychoanalysis and be a more dynamic way right. to interact with their patients and bring more healing from suffering.
0: And Habib Davin started ISTDP, and Aaron Beck went on to found Chipotle.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> Which we all know today is the delicious restaurant that's near every one of our business places, right?
1: Yes, exactly. Yes.
0: So t- so give us an idea I certainly hadn't heard of that before you talked to me about it. Tell me and us a little bit about what that is, what, you know, what the benefits of it, what it looks like in the in the room, etc.
1: Well, what it looks like in the room is very it's moment to moment, very active with the therapist collaborating with the patient, whether it's, you know, an unconscious collaboration or a conscious. Hopefully you you'll work to get both online. Mhm. To help the patient get relief from suffering by being able to identify the barriers that get in the way. Mm. Uh, the, the barriers are often anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a healthy man of uh, anxiety that keeps us sure. active. And then there's anxiety that goes over threshold, which makes us, you know, shut down completely. Yeah. So paying attention to levels of anxiety and then paying attention to the defenses that show up. Just reflexively, habitually. Um, I mean, we all have them. We all sure. develop them, you know, in the early stages of life that help us navigate and manage our uh, early relationships. Uh, and again, those become, you know, can become maladaptive in, a, in adulthood. And those are typically what cause the suffering, the symptoms that might bring a patient to therapy in the first place. So again, it's just this very active, very dynamic way of being in relationship. Between therapy so, and patient.
0: Oh, sorry. So, do we view the do we view a lot of the patient suffering as a result of these maladaptive defenses? Is that sort of the the framework?
1: Yes, essentially. And and if we take it just a little bit deeper than that, you know, one layer down, those defenses develop as a way to avoid that which is painful to us. So mm-hmm. it's often complex feelings to early attachment figures, those people that we oh. love and depended on that either delivered, delayed, or disappointed us. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of anger that gets stirred up when we are neglected or uh, not taken care of or abused or, you know, any of the the spectrum of ways that we can be treated, you know, sometimes unintentionally by our parents, obviously. Of course. Everyone is doing the best they can. But uh, anyway, so of course, that would bring up painful feelings.
0: Let me break in here real quick, because you said delivered, delayed and disappointed. And I think I understand how attachment figures could disappoint us. But how does an attachment figure deliver or delay us?
1: Uh, You know, like uh, attunement would be a delivery. Attention would be a delivery Delay would I uh, kind of conceptualize a little bit more in the neglect category, like mm, kind of okay. way I'll get to you later, but I'm more important than you are right now in uh-huh. an unseen way,
0: got it, and then disappointed, I assume would be sort of that unreliable nature of a parent who who seems like they'll be there or seems like they'll be caring and then shows up intermittently or unreliably. is that correct?
1: Yes, yeah, and yes, and really creates that you know that attachment pattern name of I can't remember what do you do with um the unreliable
0: attachment. Oh, the, the anxious. Is
1: yes. that the anxious? Yeah, yeah. I've, I
0: don't know. I don't do attachment stuff. It's, uh, yeah. I I think it's great. I don't do any of it. I remember in object relations, there's the unreliable parent where that in grad school, they talked about the kid who waits on the porch for their dad to come take him to the baseball game.
1: Yes. And then yeah. sometimes dad will be there and sometimes they won't. So that creates this, this tension constantly where you're, you know, you're kind of expecting the parent to show up and then they don't, and they disappoint you, but you keep trying to make them come, you know, right. Of you, so. The
0: clinical term for that tension is called, for you lay people out there, a mind fuck. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, it's yeah.
0: like taking a whisk inside a little kid's brain and scrambling it around a little bit. So if any of you all are thinking about being reliable or not reliable on that level with your children, I strongly encourage you to read up on it before you, you do that. Okay. So delivered, delayed, and disappointed. So then, so is there a certain amount of like sort of retrospection where you're looking, on the, you're looking in on the past and sort of taking assessment or the patient's taking assessment of like what their attachments were like to those figures? Or is that something you're sort of conceptualizing while they do their work? Or how do you assess that?
1: Well, one of the things that I really like about ISTDP uh, in terms of how I apply it is that When a patient first comes in for their very first visit, I have some perfunctory paperwork that they fill out. And we've had a typically a 20 minute consult just to say, like, look, this is what I look like. This is what I sound like. This is the terms of working with me. Do you want to give it a shot? Yeah. I don't read their paperwork. And that's almost intentionally to get sort of an end of one experience of this patient. So when they first come in and sit down, my first question is, what is the problem you'd like my help with? How
0: can Mm. I help yeah
1: um, so we take it from very present day symptomology, and wherever that leads us, we go. I mean, you know it's it's inevitably going to have roots to the past, right. but we don't have to do this linear chronological you know, when were you born and then what happened we We go right to the struggle mm-hmm. that's happening today. I think that's one of the ways in terms of the short term. Uh, phrase of ISTDP that I really appreciate. There's no delay, but we're just right. going
0: to get into it. Right. You don't have to do a lot of, They don't, you don't have to pay for information mining or anything where you're like getting all of the backstory. They can just dive right into the day today. So then you yourself, Juno, are like gathering it, sort of conceptualizing it during the work on the present. Is that what I'm understanding?
1: Yes. Yes. And so the basic tenet of IST. TDP. It is oriented around a triangle of conflict, and so this okay. triangle of conflict, um, if you if it's an upside down triangle, the very bottom angle is feelings and urges or impulses that come with those feelings. Okay. There those and they're unconscious typically. Mm-hmm. Then on the upper left is uh, anxiety, mm-hmm. which is often unconscious anxiety, and then okay. on the upper right are defenses, and the mm-hmm. defenses. Uh, are often unconscious as well, and we we develop and employ those to relieve us of the discomfort from the unconscious anxiety that comes when we have unconscious conflictual feelings toward people we love and care about. So that often is love and anger at being um, disappointed by an important sure. figure in our life. And so so then talking about someone in the present that will obviously have representation of a previous figure.
0: Right, right, right. Do you find yourself actually like drawing this triangle for clients to understand it? Or again, is that all sort of behind the scenes stuff?
1: Um, you know, I sometimes I do if I have. Yeah. It, it, This is the one what I also love about our work, which is that you want, what may work for one client specifically may or may not work for the next person. So I do have some patients who are really, who are very visually oriented and really right. need an anchor um, to see this triangle. Some people, it's easier if I just draw it on, if I just kind of uh, illuminate it on a line. Hey, you did this, and then you were uncomfortable, and then you did that. Right. Do you do you see this sort of uh, reflexive pattern?
0: But there's psychoeducation in it, like where the clients actually understand the relationship between those three things, as oh, opposed I, to you sort of like making it happen in the relationship and oh, then kind yeah. of getting the stuff on the outside.
1: No, that that to me seems like it would be you know a little bit manipulative. Like I have all this knowledge over here, and I'm going to oh, kind of yeah. hold it and not not share that with you. I, I to me, I mean, a, a, a lot of patients come to me who have had. Parents who mind fucked them, yeah. who who didn't trust their own autonomy, who were over controlling,
0: sure. and so
1: I I take a great effort to make sure that we are collaborating and that I am very clear mm-hmm. about my role and responsibility as a therapist with them, the patient as the expert on who they are and what they want for themselves, because again, so often they've been told what they want. They've been told what they should want to do or be or how they should behave or love or not. And so anyway, that's one of my favorite things.
0: I get. Yeah, no. And I'm sure they must appreciate that. And I love that. I love that bit of, of ethics that you bring into and values that you bring into the work from you, right? Because I think that, you know, there's, a, as you said, a lot of different ways for us to operate in this business. But I like that your particular value is I want them to know what they're getting. And I want them to be collaborators in this process and not, you know, and not, you know, uh, manipulables or like, you know, (laughs) items that are featured as a part of their own therapy, right? Um, Yeah, I appreciate that. So let me ask you, so speaking of um, you, You know, of course, you and I were talking about this before we get started and more exemplary. We often sort of spend time in the clinical parts of it. But one of the things that I like was that you came in with a real notion of of like the intersection between ISTDP and um, the way to lead a better life, according to your values or a way to lead a, a more exemplary lifestyle. And I would love rather than to butcher it and paraphrase it myself for you to share with all of our listeners your thoughts on that. How does ISTDP help people lead a better life?
1: Well, I guess I'll have to start with myself, because when um, you... Well, I was in LIM, Lean In and Make Bank.
0: Yeah.
1: That you were also in, and yeah. um, that program really... God love Tiffany. She like totally changed my entire life. She's
0: sharp. Huh?
1: <laughs> she, she is so sharp. And it's like every time I think I'm going to email Tiffany and say, hey, I've arrived. Like I've all my learning from your program has come. And I'm like, shit, I just had another massive learning and understanding <laughs> of myself.
0: Yeah, but, no kidding.
1: But what was so important about Tiffany is that she holds your hand to the fire to face reality. Mm-hmm. And that was something that had always been denied to me in my family of origin. Okay. Reality had to be manipulated. It it wasn't mine to experience and feel. It was you know told to me by my parents, and so when in Lean and May Bank, Tiffany, you know, showed reality. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is amazing, and so it opened my eyes to all kinds of things. The primary one being that as a therapist, I was feeling really unfulfilled in my practice,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, I was feeling unfulfilled because I was sensing the dynamics of the relationship I was in with my patients, but I didn't have language. I didn't have structure. uh, I didn't have the tools that I really wanted as a therapist to be Mm -hmm. able to, to help my patients. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I went on this sort of (laughs) like vision quest of like, huh, I got to find a clinical home. Uh, Ah. And I did a lot of, I did a lot of searching. I, there are a lot of psychoanalytic factions and institutes out there in case Oh yeah,
0: a- and they none of them has a facial expression, but all of them would slit the other ones' throats if they were unsupervised.
1: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And so I went to all these different open houses, to different programs, and talked to people, and did research, and uh, for psychoanalysis because that was a, that was a piece that felt like it was really the unconscious part was a piece that was really missing for me. I looked at cognitive behavioral process. I mean, I looked at so many different modalities and really did different trainings and um, I found ISTDP and it just felt like the most complete fit because it it uses it uses cognition and intellect. It uses uh, like physiology and biology of the body to notice kind of where the patient is on their level of anxiety. It uses the unconscious to help people understand themselves better and bring into conscious awareness things that were previously hidden. I was like, wow, this is like, this is amazing. And so I changed my therapist. I changed uh, supervision. I started this program, and I just began to feel relief from my own suffering in a way that decades of therapy had not done for me.
0: So you're not just speaking to this as a as a practitioner. You're speaking to this as a as a, a consumer too. You've experienced this Absolutely. personally.
1: Yes. Wow. And so. Yeah, as I begin to get more relief from suffering and understand uh, the tools that I used to ward off emotional closeness, to, um, you know, just defend in, against uh, my environment, um, I was like, wow, this is incredibly powerful to get this kind of relief. like relief from chronic depression, relief from chronic anxiety. A lot of the bickering and bantering and quib- quibbling in my marriage got resolved once I had a much more clear understanding of myself and the projections I was putting on to my husband. And anyway, it has given me such relief, just such incredible relief.
0: Isn't it wonderful when, when one tool can fit so many different Issues or so many different problems. is not that fantastic. I mean, you know what I mean. Like, it's lovely when when something can solve one problem, but it's lovely when something can solve lots of problems. A lot of them.
1: Just about just about right. Yes, yeah. And of course, like you know, maybe it wouldn't work for every single person. No therapy and, works
0: for every single person, right?
1: That's true. But but for me, it has been really tremendous, and it has really allowed me to have a much greater sense of safety in my body and a much greater understanding of who I am, which then allows me to be more present and available mm-hmm. with the people I love and care about and to do work that feels really true and authentic to me, which is yeah. just life sustaining. Like that's truly exemplary.
0: <laughs> I, I totally agree. And I, two things that are coming up for me that you're mentioning that I think go on un- or underdone by people in our field. The first one is getting your own treatment I mean, and I think we all know those people in grad school that like waited till the last minute to get their own treatment or wouldn't do it or had never had it before going back to school, which always, always, always blows my mind. But the other part of it is like, how many people in our field have settled for hating the work that they do? Like how many people in our field are, and I, and I maybe they're good therapists. I don't mean, I don't want to like scare people and be like, if you don't love this, then you're shitty at it. Like maybe you're great at it and you hate it. But I think sometimes we can get so bogged down in our own lives that we forget that like this can this has the potential to be the kind of field where we love what we do and where we feel really good and we see amazing stuff every day unlike virtually any other field that I know of
1: oh yeah I mean yes I often remark that this work is unlike any other work that I can possibly imagine or think of because it's the hardest work I think because it's, it's not like you can check email or take a nap or like, you know, eat Cheetos. Uh, you have to be uh, present and on it.
0: Oh, during the sessions. I was about to say, do you think I don't nap in my office? I nap in my office <laughs> all the time. You think I don't eat Cheetos? Do. Who the fuck are you talking to? Yes, Got it. Yes, you meant during session. Got it. Yeah. Yes, that would like, be inappropriate.
1: Yes, yeah. The intensity of this work and the right. measure of attention and preparation that is is really... Necessary to do this job well is yeah. is unlike any other profession. And I will say at the same time that you're observing your patient and interacting with your patient, you're just as vulnerable to their observations of you and their assessments of you. And I there, I don't think there are many other jobs where there is that dynamic always in play.
0: Yeah. Well, and I mean, ideally, we're watching them, and we're watching ourselves, and we're watching the relationship, and <laughs> listening to whatever they're talking about. I exactly. mean, that is. That is a hell of a, a task. And so yeah. whenever anybody feels bad, like, oh, I missed this thing. It's like, I don't know. Were you tracking the other eight things you were supposed to be <laughs> tracking? Because my thought is probably like, you you're good. Yourself a little bit of slack, right? Yeah. It, yeah. You maybe don't need to be perfect. Well, this is incredible. Okay. So, so Juna, let's say that people are hearing this. And they're like, I want to either get to know Juno, or I want to be treated by Juno, I want to experience Juno, I want to learn more about ISTDP. Um, how can they find you? Like, How can people find you?
1: Oh, I love it when people contact me. It makes me so excited. Nice. Even, okay. Even if it doesn't end up in us working together, I like you, um, I have a wonderful network of providers and just resources for people. So if you have any question about life in general, feel free to call me.
0: <laughs> I love that. That's the best response I've gotten to that question so far. So how would people do
1: awesome. that? Um, So you can find me um, online, com.
0: How do you spell and, Juna? I know, but for the people out there. Yes,
1: it's D-J-U-N-A-O-O-S-B-O-R-N-E-C-O-U-N-S-E-L-I-N-G. Mm-hmm.
0: If they don't know how to spell counseling, then I don't want them to reach out. <laughs>
1: right.
0: <laughs> That's going to be my, the, my gatekeeping. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. And so my my phone number, my email are both on there. Um, I You can text me, you can call me, you can email me, and I check all of my... Um, media uh, pretty regularly so
0: that is fantastic well folks you're never going to get a more uh you're never going to get a more open invitation than that and as somebody who's spoken to Juno a lot over the years um she is amazing and worth speaking to so don't lose this opportunity because one day she's probably going to be too famous to respond to your emails so visit juna dot com, check her out and see if uh istdp might be right for you as a clinician or as a client and Juno, thank you so much for making time for us today
1: this was so much fun thank you
0: That's it for this week's edition of the More Exemplary Podcast. Folks, if you ever want to meet somebody who has really earned their place in our field, someone who has really done the work on themselves that we all should be doing in order to find her way in this field and in order to do her best work and be her best self, you can look no further than Juna Osborne. I have so much respect for her and so much respect for her journey. I think it's an example to us all. So I hope you enjoyed listening to her. It's occurred to me that I... Say the word enjoy a million times. And it's usually like, I hope you enjoy. Because I really, really do. I hope you're listening to this and you're really enjoying it. But I also hope that if you didn't enjoy it, that you can look in the mirror and say, Juna Osborne is a goddamn genius. And I don't know why I didn't enjoy that. I must just be a defunct human being. Or you could say... Nick just really ruined the Juna experience for me. And if that's the case, mea culpa, I accept it. But then I recommend that you get in touch with Juna and get the firsthand experience yourself because she is awesome. But if everything worked for you and you did enjoy it, which I hope that you did, then I hope you lead a wonderful, more example of your life this week. And I hope you make your community better according to your values. And I hope that you keep being you and loving you. And we'll talk to you next time. That's it for this episode of the More Exemplary podcast. If you'd like to have a question answered on the More Exemplary podcast, please send an email to moreexemplary at gmail.com. If you're interested in transforming your life, whether it's romantically, professionally, historically, or any other way through psychotherapy, please visit me at www.nickbognertherapy.com. If you love this podcast, please tell all your friends about it. And if you don't have any friends, then please tell some strangers about it in a not creepy way. Subscribing and leaving positive reviews helps me to be able to make more episodes of this podcast. And if you're still listening at this point, then I suspect you've fallen asleep with your earbuds in. Sleep well, and I can't wait to join you for the next episode of the More Exemplary Podcast.